Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary alongside Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing today? Oh, just, oh, I took some Pepto-Bismol pills a little while ago. Um, the stomach is not doing great. If anyone follows me on Twitter, you'll know that my kids were up all night last night um, with the, like the devil leaving their body one oh. after the other. So it's a good time. And I think it's, it's making its way to me. Like the, the exorcism worked on them and it's now transferred over into me. Uh, so <laughs> yay. All right. So we'll keep a close eye on Mitch during this show. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> if you feel Matt, Matt is going for a tangent and it's taking way too long, it's because I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> yes. Um, I myself, I think I'm coming down with a cold too, oh, so no. it's going to be both of us a little bit <laughs> ill for this one. But we'll get through it. We have a lot to talk about today, Mitch, too. But before we get started, do you have an addition for us? I, I, there's only the one, and it's the Alexi Yashin edition, because this is number 79. Yes. And I think that that's a given. Yes. <laughs> it's the only Awful contract. It. Terrible, terrible contract. Not he, he was fine in the first two years, right? Like the first years when they got him in. It's just after that, it dovetailed and he became the Yashin that we should have expected to receive when we saw what he was doing with Ottawa. Where he just, I'm not playing because I want more monies. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit biased because the Yashin and Pekka teams from the early 2000s are like the first ones that I remember. So right. like that's kind of what got me into the game and made me an Islander fan. So I'm a little biased towards... Him, Pekka, Mark Parrish, guys like that. So I always kind of secretly liked him as a player. Oh, coming out. Yeah. So I know, I know. obviously, contract-wise, it wasn't good, but he's he's up there for me. Yeah, and you can't necessarily blame a player for signing a bad contract. Like He didn't draft up the contract necessarily. I'm sure he pressured them for term and so on, but as we saw with the Islanders further on down the road, they didn't stop that from doing it again. Or they no. didn't st- like that didn't stop them from doing it again, right? So they didn't learn from it. Mm. No, it bit them a couple of times, unfortunately. <laughs> it's still biting them. It, it still is. But as we talk about unfavorable contracts, we could transfer yes. into our first topic a little bit. Transition here. Well done, Andrew Ladd and Thomas Hickey, who's on a much better contract. They're coming back. <laughs> they did a rehab assignment. With the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, played pretty well over the weekend, and now they are back with the Islanders. Yeah, you can say they played pretty well, but they each got a goal and a couple of points. Yes, I believe both of them scored in their first game, and then it was Hickey again in the in the second game scored, if I'm not mistaken. And then Ladd got three assists, one on each of Joshua Sang's hat-trick goals. Yeah, so how about our boy? Four goals in two games? So they still have yet to be reactivated from IR. They're still listed here on Cap Friendly on the uh, injury reserve, uh, which is fine. They don't they don't need to. Um, although I guess they they probably will. Like the puck drops in an hour and a half, and as far as I know, Michael Dalcole is back in the AHL. So I haven't seen the lineup yet, but I would assume that they're going to be playing, unless there's something I missed completely here. No, you would think that if they were good enough to go to play in Bridgeport that now, you know, that they call them up, that they're going to be ready to go tonight. But, I I mean, they both skated in practice today, no? I'm, I'm looking that up right now. Again, I didn't really have time to look at this stuff. So, um, 
No, they're extra D. Uh, Hickey was an extra D, and well, Lad was skating on the top line with Barzal and Bailey. So was Kunako. Okay, so maybe game time decision. I assume so. Um, I'm just looking through Andrew Gross's tweets because he's he's the beat writer, so he's out there in Calgary with them. Uh, I don't see anything that indicates that they're definitely playing tonight. But again, I could be wrong. Uh, Thomas Grice, Robin Leonard, both participating in optional skate. They're still day-to-day, but not today. So apparently they're not playing today, it seems. And that was five hours ago for Andrew Gross. So that was a 3 p.m. Um, Eastern Standard Time where he said... Your daily Andrew Ladd, Thomas Hickey's update courtesy of Isles coach Barry Trotz. Right now, they're still day-to-day, but not today. All right, so, so. pretty soon they're going to be coming back. And I guess the real conversation we want to get into here is where do you expect them both to fit in in the lineup and what's their impact? Um, so just today, actually, uh, Andrew Gross had a, a piece come out on Newsday where it's Getting back Hickey and Ladd is like uh, a trade deadline acquisition, which is something that we wrote on our site and, and argued as well. And so it's it's a valid point because these are players that haven't played for a long period of time that are coming back, and that can indeed help this lineup. Uh, when you look at Ladd, he's played 14 games this season, and Hickey, I think, was 32 games. So they've missed a, a huge stretch of time. And then you're getting what is essentially a top... Yeah, top, I shouldn't say top six, but maybe a top 4D at best in Hickey. And you're getting a guy who can arguably play or should be playing in your top six forward. And I say should because of that albatross of a contract. Yes. So should, in theory, be a top six guy. Eventually, do you think he gets put, I'm talking lad now, do you think he gets put back with Komarov and Filpula? Or do you think they give him a shot with Barzal? Based on where he was playing in terms of practice today, I would expect that he might slot next to Barzal. All right. So if they do that, I'm curious. I don't know if they would, but they would have to mix things up a little bit. Try and recreate the line from early last year with Everly on the right side. I'm perfectly fine with that. Put Josh Bailey up with Lee and a Nelson, and then drop Eberle down. And I'm saying drop, and I'm using air quotes now. Like It's not really a demotion. You're getting no. to play with Matthew Barzell. So that's fine. Um, yeah, I, I don't I, I, that's a That's a fair place to put them, to, in my eyes. Just, I want to get back to the, the trade deadline acquisition. When you think oh, about sure. the trade deadline and, and, and what teams usually bring in, it's usually depth defensemen for the playoff run, um, D that can play anywhere in your lineup within like the, you know, the top four, bottom four. Um, and you get a guy that four that's got veteran experience, leadership, and has rings. That's the, both of those players are what the Islanders are getting back in Thomas Sicky and Andrew Ladd. I know we want to we want to you know poo poo on Ladd, and and to be fair, he he kind of deserves it. But if you're thinking I'm getting this guy for the last couple of months of the season, and he could bring something to the table, you know that's that's fine. And you're already paying him, so you're not paying him more. Like that the, the hit is already there. You're already taking that dumb hit, so like it's not adding on to it. So. When you think about it, you're going, they've been playing this well without him. Now add that in. And, and what you're taking out is Tom Kuhnhockel. Yeah. <laughs> Not and really losing much. The reason why you brought him in and potentially moved away from Kyle Oposo was because Ladd gives you that playoff experience. He has a ton of it. Yep. He's won a few Stanley Cups, so he knows what it takes. So he's... They're paying him. I feel like that contract is more. We're paying you for your knowledge on the the playoffs and your experience, and see if that winning culture can translate to the rest of the team. Yeah, I don't want to go that far because it, it it's that sounds like a slippery slope to me, where I'm I'm essentially justifying and arguing for the amount of money they gave him, and I don't ever want to do that because that the amount of money they gave him and the trade protection they gave him was unconscionable like they should never have done that ever there's no way he's even worth four million at this point uh but they did what they did to me it's just you're getting this guy that you're already paying an albatross of a contract it's already there um but you're you're getting back something at least and and it's not over the full course of the season and he's definitely better than what you had there before he's you know all, to all due respect to michael dal cole he's better than dal cole right now he's better than um uh tom kunakle 
I wouldn't say he's necessarily better than Anthony Bovillier, but Bo, Bo seems to be playing well with the other two guys in Philpo and Komarov. So, you know, putting him with Barzal, maybe that maybe that's a good fit. Maybe not, but it's better than what we had there before. Well, and that's just the thing. He played pretty well last year when he was on that second line. Like early on in the season last year, you got to remember he was on pace for about a half a point per season. And then that slowly slipped away when he moved down to the third line with Brock Nelson. Right. He still has seven points in 14 games this season. So he's a half point pace guy this year. So if you're talking about a 41 point player, you're going, all right, you know, it's not worth the five and a half and the trade protection. It really isn't. Um, but I think at this point, we have to disassociate the contract because unfortunately it's there and it's not going anywhere. And if we simply say that he's not playing to his contract, there's no question. You're absolutely right. He's not. But can he give us something more than the guys who are currently there, like a Kunako, like a Del Cole? Then yes. The answer is yes to the both of those. Yeah, he absolutely can. And you got to think that um, like, he usually heats up in the second half, too. So... A, heating up in the second half, and then B, on top of that, he's rested. Finally, <laughs> yep. finally could be healthy. I'm trying to find the spin zone here where you can get some sort of value out of Andrew Ladd, and I think this is the not perfect because a perfect scenario is he's a 50-plus point player like <laughs> what they thought he was going to be. But I guess best-case scenario for where we are now with context yes. So we'll see how he ends up playing. Like you said, potentially with Matthew Barzell, I'd, I think I'd rather him end up going down to that third line after a trade, which I'm sure we'll get into a lot of trade stuff towards the middle to the end yes. of the show. But ultimately, I think it's good for the Islanders that both these guys are coming back. It makes them a better team than they already are. Theoretically, of course. like Maybe the chemistry is so there that adding is a form of subtraction. But like at this point, you got to roll with players who are coming in that are better than the ones that are currently there. Some of them. Yeah. So I, I'm just like you. I'm, I'm erring on the side of positivity. I'm hoping that this is just a positive and there is no negatives. And I don't want to dwell on the negatives of like, the, they could ruin the chemistry. Yeah, maybe, but maybe not. It's not like you're bringing in a brand new player. These are guys who've been there for years. In the case of Thomas Hickey, for quite a long time. So they're, they're not new to the room. No, not at all. And they're definitely, like you said, familiar with the team. Two veterans who should be able to plug and play. Yeah. So absolutely looking forward to seeing them back in the lineup. Speaking of things that are doing well, the New York Islanders' power play has actually been significantly better in the last couple of weeks. So... Mitch, what do you think the difference here is? <laughs> Ryan Bullock and Devin Daves. That's it. That that's it to me. There's no there's no other reason that this is that it's better. Do you think it's different or that there's something else there? No, I was just curious to see oh, okay. which direction you were going to go and see how the conversation would be. Okay. Well, so for me it's it's the pairing of Devin Taves and Ryan Bullock on that quote-unquote second power play. The, the interplay between the two of them is, is, I think, the key dynamic at play here for the rejuvenation of the Islanders' power play, which it's not a revolutionary change. They've only got like four goals or three goals in the last six games. But, you know, that's three goals on nine, 12, 14, op- yeah, 14 opportunities. That's a pretty good efficiency. Yeah, it's a lot better from where they were. I think now they're up to 24th in the league, somewhere around then. They're exactly at 24th with a 16.2% overall efficiency, which is not, again, good, but it is better than where it's trending in the right direction. Right. So obviously trending upwards early on in the year, they were much worse off than that. They were around 28th. Yeah, they were real close to the bottom. If not for the Montreal Canadiens and Nashville Predators being absolute garbage on the power play, they would have been at the bottom. Right. They would have been right there with them. Exactly. But... For right now, and I, I agree with you, Devontae's his impact, and we wrote about it, I did, but I said that when Thomas Hickey comes back, Taze has to stay. Oh, could, yeah. And stay in the lineup. And I think his play on the power play is one of the biggest reasons why. What yeah, he provides the, offensively on that power play. Just the way he controls the play and, and can be that pivot at the tip of the diamond, right? So he's sitting at the blue line and can direct the play either left or right. And can be that 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 um, I'm going to say pivot again, but I, I wish I had other words. That that 
the outlet, essentially, to make sure that the play is headed in the right way and can find Ryan Pulak with the proper pass to get him, you know, to get that that clapper right on net, which has been the key to the efficiency. Of those three goals, Ryan Pulak has a point or a goal in all three. So, uh, hmm. That's something to think about, Mitch. <laughs> something to think about. Like, the fact that he's in Ovi's office is perfect. Yeah, I really love him in that spot. Get him right by that circle. Keep feeding him. Let it rip. And he has a much better shot of hitting the net from point-blank range than from another, what is that, 30 feet back? Yeah. So it's it's a it's the right thing to do strategically. You get a guy who can pass the puck around, who's got his head on a swivel, who can see plays going, and has a perfect option. He's always got an option to his left. Always. We already know that. And that's good even for the Islanders because team the other teams are going to focus on that saying like, well we got to shut Ryan Pulak down okay well I'm Devin Tays and I can see everything else going on and I'm just going to slide it down here to my right or get into the slot we're good to go I, I will move the play elsewhere yes so I, I agree with you to me that's the biggest difference is those two being paired together I think that's the better power play unit even though it's technically the second one but right definitely Liking what I'm seeing out of Ryan, both Ryan Pulak and Devontae's who are starting to produce offensively too, which is something that got off to a little bit of a slow start this year. The Islanders defensemen really weren't putting up that much uh, in terms of points or offensive production, but it's starting to come on now in the second half. Yeah, well, in his last five games, Ryan Pulak has five points. Sorry, uh, four points. That's good. That's pretty good. What's he have on the season? Do you have it up? Yeah, twenty-seven and fifty-eight. That's not bad. So that's that's pretty good. So he's going to hit thirty. Obviously, that's not a question. So twenty-seven divided by fifty-eight times eighty-two. That's thirty-eight points. He's on pace for, and that that's assuming, like you said, he had that slow start. And, and like we said before in the podcast, Barry Trotz, what he's done this year is he's broken his defenseman down. Not emotionally or anything, but he's broken it down to a point like, let's play some fundamentally strong defense, and then the points will come. Let's build your base up. Let's start with a solid defense, and then we'll add upon that, getting you to the point where you can be that offensive player while simultaneously being that solid defensive player I want you to be. Right, and that's just the thing. Like I'd rather Nick Letty, Ryan Pulak, Devontae's be playing the way that they are and maybe putting up in the mid-30s to low-40s in points than higher-40s to low-50s in points and then playing defense like they did last year. Right, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I 100% agree with you on that. Yeah, so you'll take that trade-off when it comes to those two guys. Yeah, exactly. All right, anything else on the power play? No, I I would ideally like for that first power play unit to be Taze, uh, Pulak, Barzal, Bailey, and Eberle, or sorry, Lee, um, but I don't make the choices. I, ideally, I, that's the setup that I would go for. I would concentrate all of my power, if I, if I can use that word, on that first power play unit and just kind of have the extra guys out there on the second power play just, you know, trying to do something different. But I'd really focus that first power play unit. Yeah, I, I agree. Put all your strengths right there, and that's a pretty looking power play. I like it. Tampa does it, and they're sitting pretty at the top of the league. Although, yeah. to be fair, they have a player who's on pace for like 140 billion points. So Close, 135. Yeah, you know, give or take one or two. <laughs> Incredible <laughs> stuff from Nikita Kucherov, and he's still making under $5 million against the Cavs this year. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. All right, Mitch, there's one more thing we got to talk about before we get into the whole trade deadline extravaganza segment, which is going to eat up a lot of our time. Yeah. So let's hit on this, and it just came out this week that the New York Islanders will be playing home playoff games at the Coliseum. But there's a catch. <laughs> there it is. The first round will be held at the Nassau Coliseum. The second, if they qualify, and beyond that, any round past that, the home games will be held at the Barclays Center. I hate this idea. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't I think anyone does in the fan base. But I know people are like, oh, you should just be happy that, all right, you got one round at the Coliseum. No, not, that's not good enough because their reasoning is completely ridiculous. The, basically what they said is that we'll play at the Barclays Center because Nassau isn't a major league hockey facility. 
So then, what's the difference between them playing there in round? What's the difference between round one and round two? That's what, like why is it okay in the first round, but anything past that? No, you, it's not acceptable. Um, yeah. So I, I'm just trying to address your point here because I, I I disagree a little bit, just just a bit. I, I'm one of those like let's be happy guys, but let's let's not deal with that just yet and deal with your point. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying in terms of why can't you do it this way. I think what the NHL, because it's the NHL's decision, right? It's not the Islanders. No. Uh, I'm sure they have a say and, and a considerable say in this, but uh, ultimately it's up to the NHL. Uh, the NHL is looking at the concourse and the bathroom lines and the apparent you know, concrete in the luxury box bathrooms, whatever the heck that's all about. Um, they're looking at all of that and they're saying... This isn't something that we want people to keep going to because at some point the frailties and the uh, issues will, uh, how do I say this? The novelty won't, uh, how do I say this? Um, I want to say essentially that the, the novelty of going to the Coliseum and games at the Coliseum during the playoffs or regular season won't paper mache over, you know, the bad concession lines, the bad bathroom lines and just like the real tight concourse. That that won't it won't it won't paper mache over top of it. That's a clumsy way of saying what I'm trying to say. Counterpoint. Yes. There's an entire section at the Barclays Center where you can't see the ice. I I know, but the concourse is walkable by uh, uh, more than ten people. <laughs> so. I I know, but it's like the it's so crazy because they're justifying the Barclays Center, which is. Almost just as bad of a venue for hockey as the Nassau Coliseum is. It's bad for the experience, like the viewing experience, which is ultimately the entire point of going to a hockey game. I, I, I can't. I, I, it's it. Sorry, I'm making this seem like I'm arguing against playing at the Coliseum, and I'm really not. I'm just trying to take the other side of this so we can at least have a discussion. Um, I don't want people to go like, Mitch hates going to the Coliseum. No, no, I very much love going to the Coliseum, and I don't mind the lines. Uh, now that I know how long they take, I will plan in accordance. Um, but I, I just think that they, the experience of watching the game uh, isn't going to matter so much as, you know, trying to get people out in the event of a fire alarm, which never happens. Or in they won't hear complaints about, like, I couldn't go to the washroom in time or things of that nature. That's, that's the best I got. That's the best I got. But like, they'd rather deal with people who can't see the ice. That's a hundred percent of the time than people who can't go to the bathroom or uh. get food. Just, just think about it this way. I couldn't. The, the PR argument, or maybe not the, the optics. That's what I want to go. The optics of someone saying, "I couldn't see a hundred percent of the ice surface. I could see seventy-five percent, ninety percent of the time, or whatever it is. But I couldn't I get access to." A bathroom or food? You can't. Just, it's not like they don't have a bathroom. It's not like you're going no, in an outhouse like, outside. If I'm waiting for 30 minutes, I might not even go, or I might have to wait 30 minutes. It, it's a terrible argument. I know. I know it's a terrible argument, but that's the best one I've got, because that's the only one that, that they've got. I don't like it. Be on my side. I know. I, I am on your side. I'm just trying, discussion-wise, to be like, there's another side to this. It's a terrible side, but it's the only one they've got. Uh, I, I want to bring something up with this. So looking past the playoffs, we're talking about next season now. This has to mean they can't play the full season at the Nassau Coliseum next year. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing because how then are you going to turn around and say, okay, we're going to play full-time at the Nassau Coliseum next year after saying, no, well, we can't play playoff games from the second round and beyond at the Coliseum because it's not good enough. Because at most, at most during the playoffs, you have a game every other night. Right, it's not even, that. That's usually what it is, barring you know, door of the explorer on ice or something stupid like that happening, and then you have a longer break. Um, but but again, that's home and home. So for the first two games, yeah, you got two games in three days at your home arena, but you can have games during the regular season where it's back to back at home. The very next day, they're back there. I don't know if they're doing that for the Coliseum, but I would imagine so because March has three or four back to backs. Let me look it up there. So well, like. I, I see I don't see them being are saying next year like yeah let's play at the Coliseum full time it's not gonna happen I just think that I'm almost to the point where it should be all or nothing like if right. it's not good enough why play there at all in the first place right so they don't have a back to back at the Coliseum in March their back to backs are 
Um, where are they here? Detroit. It's away. Detroit and Minnesota both away. And then away to Philly. And then at home to the Arizona Coyotes. So there's no... Yeah. There's no home and home back. Or like no NASA Coliseum home and home. Uh, Back to backs. My God, I'm having a hard time tonight. I know. I know what you're trying to say. Yeah, it's okay. Well, at the end of the day, to me, and I'm, I'm, I would much rather than be playing at the Nassau Coliseum until Belmont is ready. But I think this shows that they are going to continue to split time at both arenas for the next two years. One hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. It sucks. I know, but that's absolutely what's going to happen. Now, do you think anything of this has to do with? that event that's going on at the Coliseum that would prevent the second round of the playoffs from happening there? I think that plays into it for sure. Absolutely. Like if that wasn't the case, if nothing was there, do you think they would just say, all right, play them all at the Coliseum? I don't think so. Okay. I think that helped them come to their conclusion. I, I, I just think that's, um, it's like a suspension, right? When you when you suspend a player, you suspend him for the act, and then you give him extra days based off of context and other things. So they looked at this and they say, we don't want them to play second round for, uh, we don't want them to play at the NASA Coliseum the entire playoffs for these and these reasons. Oh, and there's this, yeah, that make that helps our case even more. All right, I was I like still, icing on the cake. I think I still don't like this. Uh, I know a lot of people are like, you'll show up no matter where it is, which is true, but it's still. I don't know. It's not the best situation. It's not. It's not ideal. Like the fan base is in Long Island. It is. Uh, yes, they will show up, and people will show up, uh, but they're not going to be happy about it. And like when they got to travel forever to get there, you're not pleasing your fan base, and you're not making it easy on them. You're essentially alienating them, saying like, "I don't care about you. You're going to show because I have a product that you can't get enough of." You are dependent on my product, so just follow me around because you have to. It's like a monopoly. Not, yeah, sure. It's just not a way to treat a fan base. Like we, we, it's like an addict. Like you want your your hit of dopamine, come over here and do it. I don't care if you have to cross a lake and move over a mountain. I don't give I don't give two bleeps about it. Just do it. I don't care. It's your problem, not mine. Well, you know, after a while, it's going to become your problem. This is why they went to. Uh, Barclays in the first place because there was a problem in the fan base. There's just that, that the losing, the inherent losing kind of affected the fan base after a while. They're like, I'm, I've had enough. I, I won't go to games anymore. And if they keep doing that, although I guess they only have a few more years before Barclays or Belmont, I don't know how much more they can alienate the fan base, but like this isn't a good move. I don't know. No, it's so. really not. And. I don't know. I, I'm going to try and go to a game regardless, but I definitely want to hit one in the first round because it'll be at the Coliseum. A 10-minute mm. drive from my house instead of a 40-minute train ride. There you go. That's a big difference. Quite a difference. <laughs> yeah, and I live in Nassau, so think of the poor fans in Suffolk County. Yeah, that's... God, that's got to be long. Driving to the train to take the train to get off. And, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Not a lot of fun, but... What is fun right now, and we're going to spend pretty much the rest of the show talking about this, is the trade deadline. We are less than a week away, and give me those rumors right in the veins, Mitch. (laughs) I am ready to go. I am ready to roll. Where do you want to start with this conversation? Okay. First, I think I wrote it out here. Let me pop it up. Um, so I, I, the way I wanted to establish this is figure out not who we want to take just yet is who's expendable on our behalf to bring someone in because we know they're trying to bring someone in. We already know that. It's we're going to have to offload because you got to give to get. So what can we give from the Islanders to get something back? Okay. So what what's on your list? Obviously the first round pick, so don't say that. That's obviously first thing. But outside of that, what, what about prospects and assets? Or Pro- players, I should say. Prospects, I and listen, I'm a really big fan of Kiefer Bellows, but I would be willing to move him in the right deal. I think there's only two prospects that I don't want to trade, and it's Oliver Wallstrom and Noah Dobson. Other than that, I'd be willing to move just about any other prospect. I mean, like, uh, what's his name? Bodie Wild. That that comes up. I'm, I'm flashing my finger here, but like, that's an extra one that I would do. For saying that you wouldn't move? Yes. See, uh, I think if you're putting Bodie Wild on your no trade list, then Noah Dobson has to come off because they're Oof. both 
they're both right-handed shooting defensemen. So I think it's okay to have one of those prospects, but at the end of the day, I would be pretty surprised if both those guys are playing on the right side for the New York Islanders. Yeah, but they both represent different types of styles, right? So that that's why like I would like I can't wait till they both come in and I want them both at the same time. But we won't argue whether they should or shouldn't be. Like that's who's on the list. Fine. That's who you're 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 putting in. I I can't necessarily disagree with having one um I wouldn't want either one on the list, but whatever. It is what it is. So those are the prospects that you think could be on there. Dal Cole, Hosang, they on the list? The no trade list? Or No, sorry, the trade list. Like yeah, players that absolutely. we're willing to yes. move. Yes. Because that's what we're trying to get to is players who we can liquidate to bring in more quality. Because that's ideally what we're trying to do at the trade deadline is bring in more quality. So we're willing to move the first. We're willing to move, like you said, Bellows. Uh Arguably, Bodie Wild, although like that's debatable between the two of us uh, and probably some of the listeners, but that's fine. Uh, and then Joshua Singh and Michael Del Cole are also on that list of players that we're willing to trade, and obviously anyone else in the pipeline. But these are the big names. Like we won't list anyone. Like, do you care if they trade uh, Tanner Fritz? No, obviously not. Mitch Van de Sample. Right. Like, I'm I'm not going to lose any sleep over losing Mitch Van de Sample. I like him. Seems like a good prospect, but he's not a blue chipper. So, anyways. Getting to the playing roster then, the 23-man active roster. Who on there is tradable? To me, the there's one guy that sticks out that will have value that I'd be willing to move. Okay. And that's Anthony Beauvillier. Yep, 100%. Anthony Beauvillier is going to draw a lot of attention from teams. He's not having a great year, but he's got that potential around him. He still has, what, 12 goals on his name to his name this season? That's I a pretty good so. return for a guy who's you know 21 and still well within team control for a while. Uh, 13 goals is what he's got. And obviously you think of guys on the roster like Adam Pellick, Scott Mayfield, but you're not going to get anything of significance with any of those guys. No, well, maybe Mayfield. I think Mayfield you can get something for. He's got more uh, control, right? He's got... F- five years, including this, to Pelix three. Um, and I think some teams might value guys who are 24 years old and have you know ha- are under control for a while at very reasonable cap hits. Right? Like Scott Mayfield could be a top four defenseman on, on another team, and he's got a $1.45 million cap hit for the next five years. That's going to be appetizing to other teams, although I don't think Mayfield moves. I think the one guy out is, is going to be Adam Pelic. Yeah, probably, but I got, like again, if we we're going to work this back to who we would move off the roster for value, Eberle, uh, not, excuse me, <laughs> Beauvillier. Not, yes. I got my A's mixed up, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Beauvillier could be gone. That That's something that other teams would want and we could lose. Or I'm going to say do without, as if I don't respect what he brings, but it's not true. I do respect what he brings to the table. It's just it hasn't been working for a little while, so maybe he needs something else. Right, and you have to remember, too, you have to give up something to get something. We're not sitting here saying, like, oh, you have to trade Anthony Beauvillier or you have to trade Kiefer Bellows. No, that's not the case. But if you want a Mark Stone, Matt Duchesne, Artemi Panarin, you are going to have to give up something that you want. Yeah, uh, exactly. Okay, so and then we kind of listed who can't be moved. I think we're all in agreement about who can't be, like Wallstrom, Dobson, again, arguably Wild. Uh, Barzal, obviously, uh, and most of the guys on on the roster can't be moved. Taves, Pelic, or sorry, Pulak, Pelic, Jesus, right? Like no one else can really. You wouldn't maybe cases Zekas can't be moved. I don't know. Like I don't even think he's a no move guy. I don't know. I guess right. I guess he'd be on that list. Right. It's just the rest of the roster seems fine. What we're trying to add is that. That spot next to Barzal is essentially what we're trying to get better at, right? So we're I think we're in agreement about who can't be moved. There's obviously going to be a little bit of debate here and there, but there's no substantial debate. Like, what? you got to have this player on the list. You're a crazy moron if you put that player on your list or not on your list. Um, there's no glaring differences between the two of us. So then now we move to who have the Islanders been linked with? And, and by link, it could be any sort of link, like coming out, boop, right out of my head or yours. So who are the, the big names or any names that the Islanders are linked to right now in any way, shape, or form? 
I think we have to talk about Matt Duchesne because that seems like the biggest link right now. So let's talk about those those top three and then like go down the list and then bring up some others, like maybe three or four other players that sure. we might be interested in. So yeah, let's start with, you said Matt Duchesne. Yeah, so Dave, it's, uh, was David Pagnata of the fourth period? Yes. Okay, I wanted to make sure, I knew it was the fourth period, but I wanted to make sure I got his name right. So he said that the Islanders have checked in with Ottawa about Matt Duchesne, and some more positive news came out about Duchesne that thinks that he's going to get traded. So one, oh, he is, Ottawa, he's getting traded. He's getting yeah, traded. So Ottawa is going to healthy scratch him until he's moved. So he's yeah. not going to play another game for the Ottawa Senators. And on top of this, the one that really tugged at my heartstrings, he said that he could potentially be interested in signing an extension with the team that trades for him. Yeah, I think that's just a smart PR move on his part. Like you, you got to say that. Like, yeah, I, I'm interested. Not saying I'm going to, but I'm interested. That's better than saying like I am like an Ant- uh, Artemi Panarin. I am absolutely going to free agency. Well, okay. Well, I just shut the door and trading for you, my friend. I'll wait. For, I'll wait till July one. Well, think about it. The NHL has it set up where extending with your team is more beneficial to you because of the eighth year, and you get that more money. Yeah. So as long as I think they acquire whatever player. Uh, they being the Islanders by the by 3 p.m. on on trade deadline day, they can give them the eighth year. Yeah, so, so and that's a huge, like you said, that's huge for even capital implications, right? Like bringing down the AAV. Right, and you still get that more money because let's say, I don't know, let's just throw out eight for eight million a year. It could be more than that. I don't think it's going to be anything less than that. But. Right. That is still a large chunk of change. Eight by eight is sixty-four. He is making thirty-six, maybe. On yeah, his I think most he, recent deal. I don't think it was a six by six, but maybe, maybe he got a six by six right after his ELC. Or six by five, maybe. It's six million per year, but yeah, the yeah, eighty five or six. six years. Yeah. So. So that's potentially double. That's true. Right, like that's a huge chunk of change. Just like here you go, thank you very much. Um, yeah, would he take that? Absolutely. So the Islanders seem interested, and, and it makes sense from when you look at this roster. Uh, if you put Matt Duchesne as the second line center, or even the first line center, with with Barzal being second line, yeah, you can use air quotes there. Whichever one's hotter is the top line, whatever. Then right. you move Brock Nelson to the wing. Brock Nelson's a pretty good winger, and if he's playing the way he's playing on the wing, oh. Just, uh, do you want to move him off the center where he's playing so darn well? I would because I think he's had success in the past playing with John Tavares on the wing. That's true. That's true. And Matt Duchesne is, I mean, I think Tavares is the better player of the two, but he's, Matt Duchesne is a star level player that can get a lot out of Brock Nelson. Right. Yeah. If If you're breaking down the league in terms of like levels, and you have your superstar level, you have your near superstar level, and then you have uh, other tiers. Like Matt Duchesne and John Tavares are probably going to be close into this, like, in, in terms of the same tier of player. Although, I can see how you can argue against that because I don't think they have the same amount of points. Although this year, you know, Duchesne's having a better year points-wise, I'm pretty sure. I haven't looked up at both of their stats individually, but I'm sure they're not too far off. I'm going to do that while we're it's, talking. For Duchesne, I know it's 58 and 50. So whatever Tavares is, I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm sure it's not too far off of that. He's having a pretty good year in Toronto. So Tavares is 63 and 59. So Duchesne's obviously got the better better of the two in terms of game uh, points per game, right? 63 divided by 59, that's 106, whereas 58 divided by 50 is 116. Yeah. So... But you know, anyways, we're we're getting to the point where we're we're talking ourselves into Matt Duchesne, and it like you said, Matt Duchesne is definitely on the block. Like you said, he's scratched. The Auto Centers still have another three games before the twenty fifth, um, so they've scratched him well ahead of time, which is fair. You're trying to protect your asset because God help you if you go into New Jersey on the twenty first and Matt Duchesne gets injured. Yeah, then you're completely screwed. Yeah, then no one's training for him, and you've lost him July first. So that sucks. Um, although they have, anyway, well, we'll get to Mark Stone afterwards. So in terms of DEFCON, uh, of, of who the Islanders can trade for and, and is tradable, he's the guy. That's the guy that you got to look at. Are you on board with this now? 
I don't. I'm still shaky about his his character, uh, but I, I realize that the infrastructure that is set up with the Islanders is a place where someone like that can be righted, um, and and corrected and, and cared for in, in a proper way where these things can be insulated and and reduced. I, and I also think that he's probably the the best guy out there that can be traded for. We'll get to Mark Stone in a second. I don't know if Mark Stone can be had. I don't know. All right, so we talked a little bit on in the Shane. Do you want to get into Stone now? Because they're both on the same team. Right. So the reason that uh, so obviously he's a pending UFA. He's a point per game player. I think he's got sixty two points in just as many games as Matt Duchesne, if not more. Uh, let's just bring it up right now. Sixty two games and fifty nine points. So he's on a Tavares level season. Flip he it. plays. He doesn't play center like Tavares though. No, sixty two points in fifty nine games. Yeah, right. whereas Tavares is 63 and 59. Okay. Uh, he's a right wing, so that's that's a plus for the Islanders who are going to lose a right wing, uh, and they don't have a lot of depth on the right wing. The issue with, with uh, obtaining Mark Stone is that the Ottawa Senators have seemingly given him a contract extension. They, they've offered him one. He has not signed it, last I heard, uh, but they've offered him a contract extension. So I think they're giving him till Wednesday, to say yay or nay, which was today, I guess. That is today. So I haven't heard it. I have not heard if he's said yay or nay yet. No, but listen, if I'm Ottawa, I want to blow this thing up and get as many picks as possible. Yeah, but I'm, Ottawa's stupid. Remember that. Very true. You bring up a very fair point, and I, you never know with the trade deadline. That's the thing, because some of these teams where it seems so obvious, you just flip these two guys get picks, you don't have a first-round pick, and then they can go out and do something like, eh, let's talk ourselves into building around Stone, who's going to be ancient by the time we're ready to compete. Yeah, like, again, they're, they're just not smart. Like, uh, They haven't put themselves in a good position. Why did they just tender him a contract extension now? Why now, five days from the trade deadline? What are you doing? Why not do this at the beginning of February? And then if he says no... You're like, all right, well, we got plenty of time to shop you before the trade deadline. Right. You make it, hey, February 1st, last chance, what's happening? And then no, you get your answer, yes or no, and move on from there. And then you figure out where is my best, where's the best place that I could ship him and get something good in return. That's right. Like it just, uh, strategically speaking, and I'm not maybe the greatest strategist in the world, but it doesn't seem like Pierre Dorion is either. Uh, I just. Nope. This move that they've done with with Mark Stone doesn't make any sense. It's very reminiscent of the of the Eric or, yeah the Eric Carlson where they go here's a contract. Oh what you didn't want to sign it because it was below market value for your skills and talent. Oh what a jerk you are. Sure let's trade you. What no like if you're gonna tend him a bad contract just don't tend him one. You knew you weren't gonna sign one. You're not. There's no way you save face on this. There's no way. Yeah so that no surprise Ottawa is a dumpster fire. Uh, yeah. So possibly no Mark Stone being traded. But the last one is Artemi Panarin, who mm-hmm. he did not play last night, but it wasn't because of <laughs> him being traded. He had the poops. <laughs> he's so. puking, he's shitting his pants, apparently. Literally the words that... Um, Why well, can't I think of his name? I see his John face. John Tortorella. John Tortorella is said about his player. It's funny because my my kids were essentially doing the same thing. Um, so like I, I feel you, Artemi. You relate. I feel you. I can relate. Maybe not from the pooping area, but at least coming up from the top. I, I hear you. So he is sick, but he is also going to be traded in the next five days. Like sick, like sick, or sick, like. It's a bad joke. Both. It's clearly the second. Yes. <laughs> okay. So yeah, trade deadline five days away, and the. Columbus Blue Jackets have no idea what they're doing with two of their star players. No, because it's him and Bobrovsky that they're looking to potentially move on from. What happens? Are Did they turn out to be a package deal going to Florida? Do they split them up and send them in different directions? There's a lot of moving pieces coming out of Columbus, and I don't think anyone really knows what's going to happen there. The thing with Panarin is I don't like the idea that he's definitely going to free agency. And maybe he doesn't, but the... The words coming out of his former agent's mouth don't give me any confidence. 
And yes, he's fired his agent. He's brought in a new one. So maybe he's changed course now. It just, it would surprise me with someone who's been so steadfast on a strategy to change it days away from the trade deadline. That's true. Right? Like he, he knew what his plan was. So did Bobrovsky, right? They've, they've both been saying, we have a plan. The Columbus Blue Jackets know what our plan is, although I don't think the Columbus Blue Jackets actually do know. Uh, we're sticking to that plan. It would surprise me if all of a sudden he's like, you know what? Garbaggio with that plan, file 13, I'm going to switch it around and I'll stay where I want to stay. I don't know about that. Yeah, I would be a little surprised if that's how it ends up. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I think he does test free agency, which it does make it a risky move. But to me, the Islanders have to land one of these three guys that we just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, you would hope to get one of those three. Ideally, for me, Mark Stone, but either one would work, I think. I think Matt Duchesne has become my number one choice now. Okay, that's fair. I, he, he's a, a 1B to my, my Stone, just because I don't think I could actually we could actually get Stone, whereas I think we actually could get Matt Duchesne. Right, and obviously any one of these three guys, I think both Mitch and I would be extremely happy and excited for the Islanders and see how the rest of the season plays out it's just when you factor in for for me anyway what you'd have to give up their production and the likelihood of them staying I think Matt Duchesne prevents uh, presents rather the best chance to do all those things for the Islanders yeah sure I don't know I, I like I like Brock Nelson as a center now uh, I would like him better as a second line center rather than a first line center I don't like all the minutes he's getting, but whatever. They're winning. So, Although if you can get an upgrade on, Matt, on, on Brock Nelson, Matt Duchesne is the guy. He brings you more talent up front than a Brock Nelson does. Brock Nelson might, for strange reasons now, bring you the work ethic, which has not been his calling card for his entire career, uh, compared to like maybe a Matt Duchesne, but Matt Duchesne gives you that top-end talent. All right, what, let's get weird. What if you start scratching Valtteri Filippula and go Duchesne, Barzell, Nelson, Kazikis as your four centers? Yeah, I like that. I like that. I, although, does he do that to his Fix-It Felix line? I don't know. His fifth line? Get it? I do get it. This is stupid. Anyway, that was a bad joke. I'm sick. Um. <laughs> it's all right. You got a pass today. You were under the weather. You can say as many bad jokes as you want. Oh, we're both under the weather. So that that's those are the top three targets, and we both agree that Duchesne is probably the the one that could come and probably will come. Um, but what about these other targets that are out there? What about other players that are also available that the Islanders could potentially bring in? Is there anyone that you have your your eyes set on? Like we've heard of Gustav Nyquist, we've heard of Tyler Toffoli, we've heard of God name it. Like I, I guess Kovalchuk. Charlie Kovalchuk. We've heard of who else? There was another one that was a former Lou disciple, right? Brian Boyle. That's not happening because he's already gone. Um, but we've also heard of players like Alec Martinez bringing in D. I don't. I don't see how the Islanders can bring in D at this point. Like they're no. getting Thomas Hickey back, so that's your defensive depth. Uh, Charlie Coyle. I, I heard at one point, but that's not happening because he's now going to Boston. Um, it just is there anyone that you would settle on if you couldn't get a Duchesne? Um, uh, Wayne Simmons is another name that comes to mind. Yes, I forgot Simmons. You're right. I'd be lukewarm on him. I think he has a little bit of upside, but he, just as a rental, like I wouldn't want to re-sign him after this year. I don't think. Yeah, you're right. I don't like rentals. I don't like rentals. But the article that we had came out that it came out today from our, our writer Frank um, was making the case for and against. And the case four is that, well, he's got five power play goals this year. He had 11 last year. Uh, I think in the last five years, excluding this year, he's in double-digit power play goals, which is huge. And that that's the one deficiency the Islanders have. But then you're bringing in a rental. And if it's anything more than like a third-round pick, are you overpaying? Probably. Probably. And I don't know if I'm comfortable with overpaying. Yeah, that's just the thing. Uh, but I do... I do like the power play. I do like that he's had experience in the playoffs before, too. Yep. Out of other names than, than the ones you just mentioned. Yeah, that's I the thing. Know. I can't think of a, a, a better than Duchesne, obviously. Uh, I, I, w- I wouldn't mind Tyler Toffoli, uh, but I just... 
the drop off is so significant, and I think that's the apprehension with most fans as well. Is that when you you consider the drop off from from the top three of a Duchesne, Stone, Panarin point per game players to guys who have performed well but may be underperforming now, you're going. I'm not as it's not as sexy of a, of an appeal, right? Like you're not giving me the oomph of the other guys because the other guys are performing well this year. Yes, they're on expiring deals, but they're performing well. Again, over a point per game, all three of them. Although I haven't checked Panarin, but I think he is. Uh, but the other, and there's not a single other player out, out after those guys that are point per game guys that you could really sink your teeth into. Like Eric Stahl, maybe. He's 34. Do you want to bring in another 34 year old player? I don't. No. no, absolutely not. Like, it's a rental, but like, I, I, again, I'm not. I definitely don't want to bring in a guy that you can have no no appetite in in, in resigning because he's well past his prime. Although he still he still put up forty one goals last year, so yeah, he's still scoring. But at the end of the day, I think it's still going to come down to like like I mentioned, one of those big three guys. It's got to be one of those three. Yeah, I I one hundred percent agree, and I think that we we settled on Matt Duchesne. So, what is your prediction for the trade deadline? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, I'm gonna. I'll be positive. I think the Islanders land Duchesne. Wow. I also think they'll land Duchesne. Sorry, I'm sneezing. Ah, there you go. You. Turn the mic down. You're welcome, people. Um, <clears throat> I also think they get Duchesne. I think they trade Pelic, Bo, their first, and and maybe something else. I don't know what, but maybe like a Parker Wertherspoon or something in the deal. And they bring in Mark uh, Matt Duchesne, and then they give him that eight by eight, like you were saying. I would like that a lot. I'm definitely on board with it. I just think that eight by eight may not come immediately; it might come a little bit later. But I think it comes. That's my prediction for the trade deadline. Originally, it said that I think they'd bring in a depth D, but I was running under the the assumption that Tomasiki wasn't coming back. And now with Tomasiki coming back, I, I think they're going to roll with him. Uh, if they do trade Adam Pellick, maybe they they look to bring someone else in, but they might just settle with Lucas Pisas being that depth guy. Unfortunately, there you go. Perfect. All right, want to get into the social segment now? Yes. What What do you have? I have something uh, that might take a bit. I also have something that might take a bit. Okay. So I got a DM on Twitter, and it was a request for the social segment. Okay. Perfect. Good. It's from Nick Swist, and he has a little bit... It's a long message, so I just want to get to the point where he talks about the trade, but okay, here we go. In my, This is from him. In my opinion, this is the only way the Isles can go deep-sea diving without handcuffing their future. They need to add another team, and I couldn't think of two more desperate teams than Columbus and Ottawa. And even with the state of those teams, I think the Islanders definitely have the most leverage because of the way they are playing and with what their future holds. They can go without upgrading and just ride this high note that none of us expected. We have to remember that with a playoff berth is something that many of us, including myself, he says, didn't think was possible. We'll love to hear your thoughts on this. So do you think that they would have to go a three-team deal if they were to land a big fish? Uh, if that big fish is our Timmy Panarin, yeah, for sure. But I don't I don't see how you would need a, th- a three-team deal to land a Matt Duchesne or a Mark Stone. The only reason I say for our Timmy Panarin is because why would you trade your star player to your divisional rivals that you're probably going to meet in the playoffs? Maybe not probably, but could meet in the playoffs. Yeah. I'm leaning towards no. I don't think they do, and I think they lean towards one of the guys from Ottawa. Yeah, like, and, and maybe, maybe they need a third because his argument might be that Ottawa wants to get a haul back, like the haul that they lost to get Matt Duchesne. And, and maybe, maybe, but we we haven't seen Ottawa be necessarily very smart, so I, I wouldn't say that Ottawa's going to hold out for more. Uh, it's possible that maybe he's smartened up in the last couple of months. I doubt it. Um, from Unlikely. what I hear here on the ground in Ottawa, uh, not a lot of people have high regard for uh, Pierre Dorian in terms of fan base. So I, I don't necessarily see that. And so I, I guess the second point was, do they need to do something essentially or should they just ride the high out? Um, or are we be fine to ride the high out? Do I think that that, that would be fine? Yeah, sure. If, if they don't have to do something, if they don't do it, then that, whatever, that's fine. I'm okay with it. I'm with Lou saying like, I don't feel the need to add something. Wait, sorry, he didn't say that. 
He said he's okay if nothing gets added. And so would I. I'd be okay with it. They've, they've done well so far. And it's like he's Nick's pointed out, they're playing with house money. So I'm okay with it. I would ideally like them to add because I think they could go further if they do. But if they don't, I'd still be okay with it. I wouldn't say that this is a lost opportunity by any stretch. I disagree. I think it would be a lost opportunity. Okay. Why? I, I, why? Because they have the chance to finish first place in the division, play a wild card team, which is a very winnable round. No one in the East outside of Tampa Bay really scares me, especially in the Metro. So there's a really good chance of if you trade for someone big like that, that you could be in the Eastern Conference Final in year one. Yep, you're absolutely right. I, I'm just saying if you can't because the price is way too high, I'm perfectly okay with that. And I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say you need that piece to even get you first place in the, in the Metropolitan Division because they're there now with a five-point cushion last I checked and they haven't added anyone and they still haven't brought back Ladd and Hickey. So do they need to add someone this year? No, they're playing with house money. In terms of the long-term view on the franchise, establishing a winning culture is primordial, and they've done that this year, uh, and they, they will have succeeded in that, in that regardless of who they bring in. So if they do bring someone in, great. I, I'm perfectly fine with that. I, wouldn't, I would like that, uh, but I'm not going to say that it's a lost opportunity if they uh, don't bring someone in. Okay. Uh, how about yours? What do you got for social? So... Darren Drager went and shot his mouth off this week talking about Tavares for no particular reason. Well, sorry, no particular reason. It was brought up to him on Toronto Radio. He did his, I assume, what is a weekly spot on uh, Leafs Lunch in Toronto, TSN 1050, where they don't seem to understand how a fan base can be mad at a specific player, even though Toronto uh, fans went so far as to harass James Reimer's wife. I know it's not the same situation, but if you're going to... Question one fan base for getting mad at a player. Uh, maybe look inside. You know, people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Anyways. And so they get to a point where they're like, why are they so mad, dregs? Why do they call them dregs? Why are they so mad? What? What? Have you ever seen this kind of vitriol from a fan base? Like, we don't understand it. We're Toronto. Whoa. We've never seen anything like crazy people before. Okay, you're Toronto, so chill out. And so he goes and he starts talking about how John Tavares was the most loyal Islander you'll ever find. Um Okay, that's debatable. Uh, and he's been nothing. He's given nothing but his heart and soul to this franchise. Oh, okay, I can kind of believe that to a certain extent. Um, and I don't understand why. Who cares about Islanders fans pissing and moaning, or if they want to piss and moan is the words he used, which is ridiculous. Like that. That's some heavy language to be using from a what was a respected. I'm saying was because I no longer respect him as as a source of information because of how he wants to tell a fan base how they need to feel. Uh, I just don't understand where he came from or why he's coming from. Like, Does he know John Tavares personally and needs to come to his offense? Was John Tavares crying in his Toronto condo thinking, oh, the 28th is going to be so rough because emotionally I'm scarred from the decision that I made that I knew this reaction was going to happen. Oh, boy. And then he throws it out, he being Dreger, saying he knew he wanted to be a Maple Leaf before July 1st. And everyone around him in that intimate circle of, of whoever, like friends, agents, so on and so forth, knew that John Tavares wanted to be a big belief before July 1st. And then he has the audacity to say, I don't understand why people are mad. That's the exact reason why we're mad. Because he knew he wanted to go and he didn't tell anyone. He didn't have the, the cojones to be like, you know what, I want to leave. Maybe you should try to do something to get me out of here. No, no, he went and sat in his Toronto home and just like sulked. He'd be like, oh, woe is me. This decision is so hard, even though I've already made my decision. Oh. He sat by the pool with his beautiful wife yeah, in like, Toronto and made that decision. I understand How am I going to feel bad for him after that? No, I understand it's a hard decision I, I, based on the circumstance that we had understood. I understand it's a hard decision. But he didn't make it easy on himself. And that's why we're mad, Dregs. And then he comes out and like, but he didn't want to stay. So like, oh. What are you doing? You shot your your argument and like your own argument in the foot, and like, oh, why are they mad that he wanted the, that he left? He has a right to go to free agency. Yeah, yeah, we're not arguing that he had a right. We're arguing the fact that the build up to that led us to believe that he didn't want to go to free agency for two years. For two years before that time, there's an article that was recently shared on our Facebook group 
the headline was John Tavares wants to stay Toronto Maple. Uh, sorry, a New York Islander and does not want to go to the Maple Leafs. And he said that, that there's a quote saying, "I don't want to go. I want to stay," like verbatim. And then you wonder why we're mad because he we knew like he knows he wanted to go, but he made no effort to help the team that apparently he was loyal to and poured his heart and soul into to better their situation so that in the wake of him leaving, they wouldn't be high and dry. I don't, this Toronto media, I don't, I don't get it. I don't want to say Canadian media because it makes me, it makes it sound like I'm also on this board and I'm not, and it's not all Canadian media. No, it's mostly Toronto. Yeah. And I don't get like Darren Drager. What is he doing? Like, why does he, he can say like, I don't understand, but they have a right to their opinion, which he five minutes after that, he walked it back on Twitter saying like, oh, well, you know, they have the right to. You were saying we we're pissing and moaning two seconds ago, and now you're saying we have a right to this. Just pick a lane and stay in it, honestly. Like, just please. If you're going to say that we need to, that we shouldn't be pissing and moaning about it, fine. But stick with it. If you think we have a right to, to our, our own opinions, perfect. Stick with it. Don't deride us because we have opinions that you don't understand for no particular reason whatsoever, even though we have readily made available information to tell you why we feel this way. Idiot. Idiot. Hit the nail on the head, my friend. Thank you. you. Hit the nail on the head. Sorry, that I think that was more for me <laughs> to get that out because I no, felt like a one-way monologue. I No, I wanted to let you go because you were preaching up there. You were like the minister. I, I was listening to your homily. It was very, <laughs> very good. It was not that eloquent. I should have written it down a little bit more. Maybe it would have been more eloquent and less of, um, um, blah, blah. I have one more for you for the social. And okay. It's really gonna, it really bothered me today. So someone from News 12, I think it's Rich Barabi or Barabi. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. That's on me. Poor prep. So he says, <laughs> former Hempstead Town Supervisor oh, yes. Kate Murray is back. Four years ago, she was defeated in a race for Nassau DA. Many believe Angry Isles fans played a key role in her defeat. Now she's running for Hempstead Town Clerk. I asked her if she's worried Isles fans may strike again. Then there's a video. Yeah. In that video, she basically says, no, she's not worried about it. Bitch, as someone from Long Long Island and as someone who is an Islander fan on top of that, I can confidently say, and this has nothing to do with politics, it is strictly because of what happened with the Islanders, that she will not hold office in Nassau County ever again. I am beyond confident in that belief. After she lost the election, I think that was two or three years ago now at this point for Nassau. I think DA. so, yeah. She will not, she will not win this. Islanders fans will protest vote whoever her running, who she's running against. I couldn't tell you who it is, but I guarantee you that person's going to win. You got to imagine she's real mad at Barube for bringing that up in the first place, right? Well, well, yeah, she's she's obviously scarred um, of of Islanders fans, and and rightfully so. They essentially denied her <laughs> a public office, and and will do so again. Because they're not happy of what she did, and and she's gonna say like ah, it's politics and it's budgetary or whatever. I I I don't know the politics. I don't like getting involved in politics that don't affect me personally. Like yes, it affects me in terms of an Islanders fans, but like I'm not from Long Island. I'm not from Suffolk County. I'm not from Nassau County. So like I have no say in, in anything outside of Islanders related. But I, I I would imagine that him bringing this up just means that Islanders fans will be watching for that vote date. And will go to the polls. Maybe not in overwhelming numbers, but if if you happen to be in, in whatever area that she's being voted in for, what is she again? Township DA? Uh no, she was running for DA a couple of years ago. Now it is Hempstead Town Clerk. Right. I imagine that whoever is able to vote in that and it's an Islanders fan will probably vote against her. I'm not saying they should, you know, listen to her politics first, but like, I don't know, I would imagine they've already made up their mind as you just indicated. Yes, I can confidently say that it doesn't matter. She could switch parties and if she really wanted to, and it's still not going to matter. Is it still a party system at the at that level, at like the municipal level? Yeah, she's listed as a Republican, I believe. Wow. Okay, we don't have that. Uh, like our municipal councilors and stuff, uh, they they don't they don't have a political party. They're just guys and girls. Oh yep, yeah. nope. She's she would be on the ballot under the there's different Democratic sections. or Republican so, ticket or yeah, it would be Republican and then conservative and then her other one would you could vote under either Democratic or uh, liberal. 
or whatever the other one is. Right. That would, yeah, that would be it. Interesting. So, yes, just something to nibble on as we round out this podcast. Anything else on the social segment, Mitch? Nothing else except for the fact that 28th is coming up pretty darn quick. Yes, so next Thursday, we will be at the parking lot live pre-game show and post-game show. Come out and find us. We will have more info for you guys as it gets closer, as we iron out some details, but stay tuned for that. So let's do the plugs so that you can find out all this information that you'll need to know. First and foremost, wherever you are listening to this show, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps with our searchability, and that way you can get any of our podcasts immediately anytime anything is released. You could also follow us on social media where we will blast out any and all information on the 28th. You can follow us on Twitter at Eyes on Isles FS. My personal Twitter is at Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch's is at TLO Mitch. You could also go to our website, eyesonisles.com, for all your New York Islanders needs, or Download our app, the Eyes on Isles app. That'll do it for us this week. Mitch, very exciting episode. Trade deadline is coming very soon, and I'm excited. I can't wait. I can't wait to, to get Matt Duchesne on this roster, buddy. Let's do it. Lou, we know you're listening. Get her done. <laughs> done. Awesome. All right. That'll do it for us. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.